instead of a musical where people burst into song whenever they're overcome with emotion, they instead burst into verse. In order to pull that off, I just thought I had to find like the greatest poet <laughs> ever. <laughs> and so I sort of scoured all of the internet and I came across on YouTube Raphael Casal and, um, Please don't tell him that I said I was looking for the greatest poet ever. I can't really <laughs> big ego. And now I yeah, realize we're taking, we're taking that out. He's totally yeah. going to use this against yes. me. We're <laughs> editing that you out. said I was the greatest poet, Jess. Yeah. Um, Wait, anyway. you didn't say you found him. You said you're, 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 you're looking, looking, looking for him. You found him. I was looking him, for him, and then I found Rafa. Yeah. And so, mm, that's we get how it goes. He's going to get his shirt made. Welcome to Bitch Talk. I'm your host, Aaron, here with my co-host, Ange, a.k.a. Captain Party, and our producer, Shar. And over the last 10 years, we've been elevating marginalized voices through interviews and events. Sometimes over a glass of whiskey. But if you're thirsty for more bitches, find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. A big thank you to 48 Hills and our listeners for voting us Best of the Bay Best Podcast in 2022. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the South by Southwest Festival, and today we are celebrating all things Blind Spotting Season 2. We have been waiting forever for this season to come out, and today we have a special interview with the executive producer and director of two episodes this season, Jess Wu Calder. This is a very hard woman to get a hold of, so we were real lucky to sit down with her. We had an awesome interview, but I do have to give a little asterisk here. I apologize for my voice. It sounds a little wonky because... I may or may not have lost it at a house party the night before. So enjoy this special interview and be on the lookout for season two coming out on April 14th. And congratulations for winning the TV Spotlight Audience Award. Let's go blind spotting season two. We're sitting down with the producer and director of Blind Spotting Season 2, Jess Wu Calder. Thanks so much for sitting down with us. Thanks for having me. All of our directors, producers um, come onto our show and they will um, tell our audience what Blind Spotting is. Can you let our audience know what Blind Spotting is, especially Season 2? The show follows the journey of Ashley, whose partner in the pilot episode, Miles, is sent away to prison and she... Uh, it's very unexpected. And so she's sort of thrown in, into chaos and she has to sort of figure out how to raise her kid um, while also moving in with her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law, both of which maybe she doesn't have the greatest relationship with because they're in-laws and that's just how it is. Um, but over the course of both seasons, you sort of see how her family and, and her chosen family sort of band around her to sort of show her that she's not alone. Well, you've been with Blind Spotting since the beginning. We followed it all along from the film and now to the series. Uh, can you talk about how you got connected with David and Rafa and why it was so important for you to sure. be part of this? When I first started uh, out, I'm trying to figure out the kinds of films that I wanted to make. An idea that I had was that it would be really awesome if instead of a musical where people burst into song whenever they're overcome with emotion, they instead burst into verse. I just thought that'd be really cool. And, you know, um, in order to pull that off, I just thought I had to find like 
the greatest poet <laughs> ever <laughs> in order to 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 make this work. And so I sort of scoured all of the internet and um, I came across on YouTube Raphael Casal and. Um, Please don't tell him that I said I was looking for the greatest poet ever. I can't really big. There you go. And now I yeah, realize we're taking, we're taking that out. He's totally yeah. going to use this against yes. me. We're editing that you out. said I was the greatest poet, Jess. Yeah. Um, Wait, anyway. you didn't say you found him. You said you're, 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 you're looking, looking, looking for him. You found him. I was looking him, for him, and then I found Rafa. Yeah. And so, mm, that's we get how it goes. He's um, going to get a shirt made. We get it. The greatest, greatest poet. He's going to put it on me. I know. I'm a little worried. Oh, God. But yeah, so I found Rafa. Um, and uh, I just really thought that he did a great job of storytelling within um, each poem that, that 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 he ever said. And so I reached out sort of blind over over email, and I just said, "Hey, I don't know if this is something you've ever thought of, but I really think that um, if you could translate what you do in spoken word to screen, that it could be magical." And to my surprise, he was like, "Oh, actually, like that sounds." really cool and, and I, I want to figure it out. Unbeknownst to me though, I found out years later at Sundance, his mom had sort of warned him against me, like who is this woman blind emailing my like son <laughs> saying she's from Hollywood. Uh, yes. uh, so sure, it's a now, woman. Exactly. <laughs> and in the end, she was okay with us finally meeting in person and we just talked for a couple of hours over coffee over the kinds of films that inspire us and we had a lot in common and it just sort of started from there um and he would send me sort of ideas over over the course of a year and one of them was was a poem that he had written called called monster and in it uh, it was about um how he was angry and frustrated and tired of his friends dying young and it really like moved me um because obviously it's a very emotional topic and I think that was the first kernel of us trying to figure out like what this film would be about that next year it's sort of actually wonderful that I'm at South by but I had a documentary called Thundersoul which is was about um, the first high school funk band and we in and, Texas and Texas mm. oh. I love that movie, you know this movie? <laughs> oh it's one of my yes <laughs> when I oh read that and I didn't have time to google this morning I'm like I'm pretty sure it's that movie yeah and I anyways yes I love that movie that means so much to me oh I can't believe that okay Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna cry right now. Anyways, uh, yeah, keep going. It's, it's, it's in Texas, and, we, and yes. we had a screening at 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 South by, and it was one of the most amazing screenings ever for me because the band w- was was there, and just feeling the like energy of the audience and how much love they have for that music. Just really, it was a great screening. Um, and um, we were arranging uh, for Obama's first uh, an inauguration to do screenings of that film for the Black Congressional Caucus. And I was looking for performers to sort of go with with the band. And I reached out to Rafa and Rafa said that unfortunately he was like, he had, he had another gig and he couldn't do it. But he was like, my best friend is in DC right now. And he's better than I am. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and so that is how I met Davy Diggs. It was at a Kanye concert, which we always joke about because of everything that's happened ever since. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was really, uh, you know, blown away with what he was able to do with no time. Like he just watched the like film once and just, you know, you guys all know how incredible he is. He's been on your podcast four times and he just like 
freestyled this beautiful verse about the importance of music education. And I was like, you were right, Rafa. He's better than you. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, and from that point, point on, we just sort of figured that like what they're, you know, whenever we finally all were able to hang out, I saw the chemistry of the two of them and they just started to pass ideas back and forth and it became clear that what the film should really be about it is is their friendship and around that that time unfortunately the oscar grant shooting um mm-hmm. occurred and uh that i think really inspired them and so it was from that point on that we just started working on it and obviously everyone was it's a really i would say impossible task when you think about it to 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 write a movie that is about verse that's about such heavy uh topics that's trying to in some ways this is going to sound corny but trying to inspire change um so when everyone asks like why did it take like a decade i'm like it was really hard um but you know i really feel proud of where the movie ended up coming and i think it's crazy that we now have two seasons of television that deal with it mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when Ange and I f- saw the movie for the first time in 2018, right? That's when it came it out. 18? Yeah. yeah. Um, we were blown away with mm-hmm. that screening and we're like, what in the mm, is this? Like just something completely different, telling a very serious story, but in a way that's accessible to people and new to people. Um, but one of my questions is, um, is the tone different on set? On blind, on blind spotting with friends, directing, show running, acting, and collaborating. I think so, but um, I'm obviously biased. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, how is it different? Uh, yeah, I, it would be. I, I think what's so beautiful about it is that I think that everyone feels very comfortable to be um, free and exper- experimenting, and also just free to do their best work. I, I I often think that as a producer, one of your most important jobs that you have is to create sort of a safe environment, not just safe like from COVID, but safe in terms of like artists feeling free to express themselves however they need to for the scenes that they're currently in. Um, I feel really blessed because I, you know, the last two projects that I've done have been one night in Miami with Regina King and blind spotting mm-hmm. one, uh, seasons one and two. And they've been with uh, the most incredible teams of people. And I feel like, both of them had a similar feel on set where there was just such respect for what we were all trying to do that everyone was just working together on the mission of um, trying to create the most beautiful moving story and funny that that we possibly could. Yeah, I think what happens behind the camera does show up on the screen. Um, and when we have Rafa and David on, they talk about so often how this is their opportunity, but also their opportunity to open their door for their friends and for other people that may not have had this opportunity. So can you talk about what it's like to be able to be kind of a gatekeeper and open the door for people that, that haven't had the opportunity before? Yeah, um, it's something that I take very seriously and something that I think is the best part of, of, of what I do. Um, I was really moved the other day day on on set when we, um, we have this amazing director, Black Horse, and he directed one of our episodes and our um, one of our makeup artists is also indigenous and he came up to me and he had like tears in his eyes and he's like I've been working in this industry for 30 years and I've never had an indigenous director before you don't know like what it means Mm -hmm. Um, and it just in that moment like there are many throughout but like it reaffirmed that what we're doing is 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 really important in this season um you're directing (laughs) 
Can you can you talk about that transition and did it feel natural? Um, and did you have a lot of support with with the crew? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean I think that anytime you step outside your comfort zone, it's terrifying. Um, and I don't know how much. <laughs> You know, obviously, you probably don't know the actual story of, of what involved, uh, what was involved in getting me to the director's chair. Um, but I always think it's a beautiful story of friendship. So I'll just share it. Um, which is we were on the mix stage uh, of season one and it was during lunchtime and I was eating lunch with Keith, uh, my, my, my husband, who's another EP and, and Rafa. And I had gotten up to get a napkin because as I think I've mentioned, I, I, I spilled quite, quite a lot. <laughs> um, and I, I spilled, I, I don't even remember, but I got up to get a napkin to clean up the spill. And when I got back, uh, they had just discussed while I was gone that they really thought that I should direct in season two. And I was like, oh my God, like that's, uh, that's a lot. Um, are you sure? And we should probably talk to David about it. And they're like, okay. And Rafa like <laughs> te- texted Diggs and Diggs texted back immediately. Either she directs in season two or I quit. <laughs> and I started That's like fair. laughing and tearing and I was Aww. like this is so beautiful and um but also like the most typical way that I can think of like amongst our our, our core group we all sort of um lovingly prod each other I think to be the best versions of 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 each other mm-hmm. I think as a producer for like the first 20 years of, of my life it's been sort of my like uh mission to believe in in others and do whatever I can to make their vision a reality. And so it meant so much to me that others could see me in that same light. Um, and again, like you kind of mentioned this before, I got the best opportunity ever because I got to work with some of my best friends, like, you know, on the cast and, and on the crew. Taryn, our DP, I've known for 20 years, and it was just an incredible experience to like work with her in, in a different capacity. Um, and I, you know, I, I also joke a bit because when they, just you know when we were breaking down all of the episodes the episodes that they decided to like give me like i remember rafa was like and we're going to give you really really hard ones so that that everyone can like see that you can do it i'm like okay um and then so i i don't know if you watch i don't know how many episodes that you've watched um but like just over the span of the two episodes it's like a dance piece that explains the history of the n-word and then there's Mm. for our show our first sex scene and then there's uh you know I am kind of squeamish about like bodily fluids and there is a, a joke about diarrhea. Like there's just like everything you can like they yes. like they like had a checklist of like what can I do to make Jess a little uncomfortable but in a good way. Like uh, and so uh it was you know, it was it was a lot of fun, very stressful, but like the best, safest, you know, experience that I, I could ever ask as as a first time filmmaker. Can I say that even though it's T V? Yes. Well, this, I was going to say directing this show has got to be harder than the average show because of what you said. It's not just directing actors and a script. There's dance, there's verse. It's, it's just a little bit of everything. So I feel like after directing this, you can do anything. (laughs) Uh, Well, yes. Exactly. So please give me a call. I did sword fights with a spatula. I done. <laughs> bring it. Bring it on. <laughs> I think lastly, before we wrap, um, let's talk about shooting in Oakland. How has that been? I know you guys were doing it kind of uh, during, not kind of, during the, the heat of the pandemic in the midst of it. And then um, the second season, was it any different? Was it harder? Can you talk about shooting in Oakland? 
And using Oakland as of kind of the main story, oh, one definitely. of the main storylines. It is, you know, ever since the film, it's been a mission of ours to make sure that Oakland stays a, char- a character in in the show. And obviously it was in the film. Shooting in season two, um, I wouldn't say it was more difficult, mainly because in season one, I think the COVID restrictions were really tough. We weren't allowed to shoot indoors. Um, so that was... That was actually the main reason why we ended up shooting a lot of it in, in Los Angeles. So season one was, was definitely more, more hard. And in season two, I think that, um, it was, it was easier also because we had done it before in, in season one. So we had this really great, um, well of, of talent that we could pull on for, for, for our cast and, and our crew. I think that the, that, that the hardest thing that we did was shoot on the Santa Cruz boardwalk, uh, which uh, was, I mean, I love that boardwalk. So I was really excited that, that we could, that we could shoot there, but definitely shooting there for three nights was, was, and it was the last three, three nights of our entire shoot. So everyone's <laughs> exhausted and tired, um, but it's the boardwalk. So um, I think just being there also gave a lot of energy to the rest of the, to the rest of the crew. Cause it's hard to feel I'm glad that we ended it there and not ended it in the in the studio because there's a little bit of a high of being like, oh, but there's we can all ride the we can all test ride this roller coaster, you know. <laughs> so I mean, it was awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. We've been speaking with Jess Wu Calder, who is a producer and director of Blind Spotting, and uh, it's just been really nice to get to know you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you all. We'll see you at the party. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on today's show. You can find more information about this episode in our show notes. If you're missing us, you can visit us at bitchtalkpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter and buy us a cup of coffee. Did you know we're also on the radio? You can find us at bff.fm. And lastly, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the cool bitches are doing it. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.